Welcome back to the Employee Experience Exchange, where we unpack how to deliver an exceptional employee experience every day, from culture to engagement and beyond into the future of work. This series is brought to you by Benefex, the people behind OneHub, the award-winning employee experience platform. So welcome to you, Commander Chris New, who is Head of Diversity and Inclusion for the Royal Navy. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. I don't suppose you give us a bit of an overview of, of your role and what you do with the Navy. So I head up the Diversity and Inclusion team. We are responsible for uh, generating policy for the Naval Service, for disseminating it, and we cover all the protected characteristics. I'm also responsible for bullying and harassment policy for diversity and inclusion training and for assurance of our processes around the Navy. Fantastic. So the Navy and Sam has been on a bit of a journey, you could say, in terms of diversity and inclusion. Could you give us a sort of an overview of how the Navy's now approaching DNI and how your values work within that? Yes. Uh, when the Navy I joined was very much white, male, heterosexual. Um, and it has changed massively in the time that I've been in the Navy. We didn't have women serving in the Navy when I joined. It was illegal to be lesbian, gay, bisexual. We had no transgender members. And there's been a huge change in our values, a huge change in our culture, and a huge change in the sort of people we want to reach out to. Um, we have a set of uh, values, um, they are called, uh, we call them C2 Drill for short, so that's courage, commitment, discipline, respect, integrity, loyalty. And a key part of our um, values is that we welcome all members of society into the Navy. So we now have men and women serving in all parts of the Navy, bar the Royal Marines, but they could be joining the Royal Marines uh, later this year or early next year. We have lesbian, gay, bisexual personnel, and we recruit actively from ethnic minority backgrounds as well. So you are now, I believe, a Stonewall top employer? We are. And that in itself has been a huge journey. Up until 2000, it was illegal to be lesbian, gay, bisexual. Um, and we lost some really good people because they were found to be LGB and therefore they were um, discharged from the Navy. There were others who uh, kept it quiet, but in doing so, they weren't able to perform at their best, so we weren't getting the best out of them. Uh, there was a group called Rank Outsiders, ex-servicemen who challenged this policy uh, in the run-up to the millennium. They took their case to the European Court, they won their case. As a result of that, we changed our laws. And then in January 2000, that's when the ban was lifted. And I think many people expected it to be quite a bumpy ride and quite a, a radical change. But actually, it was a very minor event in the end, partly because we had very strong leadership who explained why we were making the change, explained the need to change our culture, the need to respect difference, and so people got on with it. Um, and the culture changed such that we valued everybody regardless of their sexual orientation. So that was the first key thing that enabled that change to happen. We set up a network 
uh, initially focusing on lesbian, gay, bisexual, but it's now broadened to cover transgender, all aspects of gender identity and sexual orientation. Um, we started contributing to London Pride in 2006, and that was quite key because it sent out the message that the Navy was proud of its LGB personnel. And now every year we have around 200 people marching in platoons at London Pride from the Army, the Navy and the Air Force. We've introduced mandatory DNI training, so everybody does some training once every two years. We actively do outreach amongst minority groups, both ethnic minority groups, religious minority groups, but also we go to places like London Pride, uh, Brighton Pride, other Pride marches around the country in order to get the message out there that we are an inclusive employer. And all of that has had an effect on our results in our uh, submission to the uh, Stone Workplace Quality Index. Um, we've been doing that for a number of years. Our best result was in 2016 when we came 10th. And this year, 2018, we are 32nd. Well done. I believe you also have, you've got a new approach to the way you recruit other sort of inclusive ways. So you've got a different approach to schools now, I believe. Yes, we've set up specialist engagement teams who go into schools, particularly schools that we haven't historically recruited large numbers of people from. And they engage with them in new ways, in fun ways, uh, in order to show the Navy as an inclusive employer. Um, we, we use different language, we use different concepts, we get them involved in little engineering projects. Um, trying to reach out to audiences that we haven't reached before. But a key part of getting into those schools is that you need, first of all, to engage with the local politicians, the community leaders, the head teachers, the careers teachers and the parents in order to build that trust. Of course. So you must have a workforce now that looks very different than it did perhaps 20, 30 years ago. What are the effects of that? I think, yes, it has changed significantly. Um, Certainly on the gender front, we have seen steadily women coming up through the ranks. We are a bottom-fed organisation, so radical change can't happen overnight. You recruit school leavers and you wait for them to progress through the service, but we are seeing them coming up through the ranks to commander, to captain, to commodore. So that's a change. Uh, we are seeing ethnic minority personnel working their way up through the ranks as well, uh, but that takes time. Um, likewise, LGB personnel are working their way up through the ranks. But change is broader than just the key protected characteristics. Uh, the message is that all diversity is constructive, is beneficial, and so we are seeing a whole range of differences. Um, differences in attitudes, differences in culture, and the attitude amongst service personnel now is that we don't try and mould people into what was historically the typical naval rating, the typical naval officer. We now allow people to be different and capitalise on those differences. So you operate something called the whole force concept, I believe. How does that help? Well, the Navy in particular is, is quite a varied organisation because we operate in the air, we operate on the surface, we operate in the submarines and we operate on land through the Royal Marines. 
we have the Royal Fleet Auxiliary, our own um, auxiliary service, our, our own merchant ships effectively, and we have civil servants. And whereas in the past they were all working in their own um, <coughs> their own stovepipes, we now have this whole force concept where we are including them all into the force. We're now all part of the naval service. Uh, I look after diversity inclusion in all of those areas and we're very much encouraging each area to increase its knowledge of the other parts of the Navy and we're asking them to understand better and therefore respect better other aspects of the Naval Service and work much more closely with them. So you have a really interesting workforce in that you could never get all of your employees in one room and, and sit them down and have a talk in no. the way that some businesses do. How do you capture the sentiment of employees when they're literally all over the world? Yes, well, we have about 32,000 service personnel, about 2,000, 2,500 civilian personnel as well. So we try and understand the sentiment through a number of different ways. First of all, we have four continuous attitude surveys. One is for the regular service personnel, the full-time service personnel. One is for our reserve personnel who are part-time service personnel. One is for the families, and then one is for the civil servants. So every year, the same sort of questions go out, and we measure <coughs> sentiment through that and measure the trends and the differences. Within the Navy, we have something called the divisional system. So every rating is allocated to a group of service personnel called a division. They're given a divisional officer, and that divisional officer isn't necessarily their line manager. And they are specifically responsible for welfare, training, and career progression. And as part of that, they have meetings with their personnel where they update them on what's going on but they also get feedback from them and then pass that information back up through the command chain back into the headquarters. So that's one way in which we get sentiment back from our people. I and my team do visits to units. Uh, we visit every unit once every two years. So we sit down with the command team, with the diversity advisors within the team. We find out from them what their problems are, what the issues are, what they're seeing. So we gauge sentiment that way as well. I run conferences every year up in uh, Scotland, in the southwest and the southeast. And again, we bring in diversity advisors, command teams, others with an interest in diversity. We update them but we also ask them to feedback and contribute and let us know what's going on so we can measure sentiment that way. But the final area, and a really important area, is the diversity networks. Probably most of the policy changes that we have made have to some extent been inspired by the diversity networks because they tell us what the issues are. They tell us what's going on. They give us that minority perspective. I, as a heterosexual man won't understand properly what it's like to be a lesbian serving the Navy. So I need to get their feedback and find out from them uh, what their issues are. Okay, so um, perhaps towards the end of your career now. Yes. Might hazard. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's new in role, so completely the other end of their career, taking on responsibility for diversity and inclusion? I think 
probably the most important thing to do in terms of diversity and inclusion is to understand the business case for it. Um, without that, nothing else will work. We've recently done a lot of work firming up our case for diversity and inclusion. And we've been making the link between diversity and inclusion, core values, building effective teams, generating capability, and then delivering mission success. And as a military force, delivering mission success is ultimately what we need to do. In order to do that, uh, we need to avoid groupthink. We need to get people to respect the contributions that others can make. So whenever I'm explaining the case for DNI, I make the point that it's not about quotas, targets, it's not about rules, legislation, it's not about treating people the same because we are all different. It is about building effective teams where every member of the team can trust the other team members, where they can bring their own particular strengths and skills to bear within the team. It is about inclusive leadership, where leaders create the environment in which every member of the team feels valued, feels respected, can contribute their best. And it is about every member of the team understanding the implications of their behaviours and their words on other members of the team and understanding what that does to team cohesion, team effectiveness and team output. So that's the first thing that everybody, I think, must do. The second thing, the second most important thing, is to get the senior leaders involved. Without the very senior leaders supporting DNI, it won't make any difference and won't deliver benefit. And senior leaders need to demonstrate ongoing commitment. Just the occasional tick, box ticking isn't going to make a difference. They need to show commitment. So our seniors do that by having their own action plans, by sponsoring networks, by attending conferences and events, by talking about DNI in their planning meetings, and by uh, talking about it in their speeches. Probably the third area I would highlight is the training. And we have found that training that is based on transmitting a message is not very effective. It has to be conversation-based, small groups. We present scenarios, we get people to talk about the scenarios, try and understand what's going on, try and draw out the key lessons from that uh, for uh, their own workplace. So it has to be relevant to their particular work scenario. We do uh, monitor. Uh, monitoring isn't an end in itself. It is a measure of how effective the other initiatives have been. But we do need to include monitoring in there so that we can measure the progress that we are making. Diversity networks, I've talked about already, we really value our diversity networks. Uh, they make the Navy stronger by allowing us to create the right environment in which all our people can give their best and be part of the team and they need to have champions for those networks uh, in order to maximise their benefit and their output. I would also recommend thinking about advocates, senior people who really understand the case for diversity and inclusion and are able to talk about it with their colleagues. That's really important. And then probably the final piece of the, the puzzle is that cultural change. 
you can put all of those things in place that I've talked about, but still not deliver benefit to the business unless the culture changes. And you, you need to have a zero-tolerance approach to poor behaviour. You need to have a culture in which you don't walk on by, uh, and a culture in which people are prepared to be courageous and do the right thing, stand up for what they know to be right and challenge what they know to be wrong. And that means having the backing of senior leaders. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight and, and that huge amount of advice I think will be really useful to a lot of people. Um, My so pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much indeed. And that's all for today. Thanks again to Commander Chris New for joining me and to you for listening. Remember to hit subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud and we'll be with you again soon.